I, I never heard of that band. Anybody know Mute Math? How many of you guys know Mute Oh, man, I am so out of it. <laughs> I tell you, man, I never thought I'd have the day where I had no idea what was going on in music, but it has apparently approached. If you've never heard of Mute Math, man, you need to check them out. I went to the website this morning. Man, some great, great stuff on there. But if you look at some of these words in here, it said this, there is no better loss than to lose myself in you in a parachute to glide I'm captive in your sky. Surrender has somehow become so beautiful. I, I could not read those words without thinking of my own personal experience skydiving. How many of you, how many of you guys have, have been skydiving before? Okay, I, I, just a handful. I, by the way, way more in first service. I don't know what that means. But, uh, but anyway, skydiving was a phenomenal experience. Now, the reason it was for me is because I am really, really scared of heights like major, like I can't, I still can't climb a ladder. Scares the absolute bejeebies out of me. So the reason I skydove is, be, is that how you say that? I skydove is um, because back in Detroit at our other church, I was given a message on fear. And my brothers who know that I'm scared of heights, who plan our services, said, Dave, since you're gonna speak on fear, why don't you feel it? to the nth degree, and they asked me to skydive, and so that's why I did it. And I want to tell you what, man, sitting in that tiny little plane, this was a small plane where you were scrunched up like this, and when you hit 10,000 feet and that door leaves, and you're right, I mean, you're like grasping right for everything that you can find. Absolute horror and terror. And then the guy connected to your back says, you have to take the first step out of the plane. See, this was not one of those planes where we got to just leap off the back. This was an old prop plane, and I had to take the step out of the plane onto the wing. That was horrifying. And then, you guys done this? Those of you who have done this, you go outside and also, right? I mean, it's just, your whole mouth is just fluttering and stuff. It's absolutely insane. And then he flips you, and we go back, and we're doing somersaults, and you're falling, free-falling through the air. And then they hit the cord, and poof. And I'll never forget, man, I had no idea how calm it is. To this day, maybe the most calm and quiet experience I have ever had was skydiving. Now, I want to tell you, that experience right there is exactly what it was like for me to surrender to Jesus. When you start to feel God actually becoming alive and moving inside of you, it's like sitting in a little cockpit and the door flies out. You're like, oh crap. And you just start grabbing for stuff because your heart's going, oh, there's no way. I'm telling you, it is scary to even think about surrendering your life to God. And then he asks you to take the step and you're the one who has to go out into the atmosphere of your spiritual life. And believe me, the same, it's horrifying to give your life to Jesus. And then you do it, you surrender. He pops the cord, and I want to tell you, the same thing surprised me. I never knew that in absolute surrender to God, there could be so much peace, so much joy, so much fullness, 
So much purpose. You guys, I want to tell you, this is it. Surrender has somehow become so beautiful. And that's where we're going today. I really do believe that God, I, I can't even begin to tell you what a wonderful morning we had this service. And then today, this moment right here is gonna be a chance for you. I do hope that he freaks you out this morning. I really do. I hope you feel a door swing open in your heart where you start to tremble. And I'm gonna encourage you right now. If he does do that for you this morning, I'm gonna ask you, man, take the step outside that plane because on the other side is more peace and more calm and more life than you ever knew that you could have, all right? So let's pray and let's ask God to do that this morning. Oh God, it is so cool to think that you might take control of the atmosphere in this room. That you might come with so much power, with so much grace, with so much love, that your presence in this room would be so real that it would make us tremble inside and that it would lead us to peace. God, thank you for this morning. Thanks for your perfect love that you have for every one of us. You are so crazy about every person in this room. And I pray they would know that today. And I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you're new, if you haven't been with us, we've been in a series called um, How to Make 2016 Great. So we've been talking about greatness. <clears throat> but what's interesting is what actually, and I want you to think about this again, what will make you great? And these are the categories I've been thinking about because these are the ones every one of us lives, right? In some form or fashion. What's gonna make you great? What's gonna make me a great husband? Guys, what's gonna make you a great husband? What's gonna make you a great wife if you're married? What's gonna make you a great parent or a great son or daughter? Well, it's going to make you a great friend. And at work, tomorrow morning when you wake up, what's, if, you, if you lead, what's going to make you a great boss tomorrow or a great employee? And ultimately, too, for us, what, what's going to make K2 great? How, how could we actually be a great church? Okay? So here's a quick overview if you haven't been with, with us the last few weeks. The first thing we did is we decided to look at the great one. If you're going to know what greatness is, you have to look at someone who actually is great. And what the Bible says is that Jesus Christ has been exalted to the highest place. So if he's in the highest place, that means he's the greatest. So when we look at him, here's what we find, though. The reason he got exalted to the highest place was because he emptied himself and became a servant. Because he humbled himself and became obedient, even willing to be obedient to the point of death on a cross. Therefore, so it was because of his humility and because of his emptying, it was his servant heart. Therefore, God lifted him to the highest place. So what we understand, when Christ came to this world, he said, I came to tell you guys the truth. I came to testify to what's actually reality. And here's reality. Greatness is when you are empty of yourself and you take on the nature of a servant. 
And then Susie dove into that because Jesus' disciples, two weeks ago Susie taught us when his disciples said, hey, we want to be great. We want to be at your right hand. We want to have the highest positions. And Jesus is like, you have no idea what you're asking. Because if you want the highest position in my kingdom, that means you're going to be the servant of all. Because that's what it means to be great. So then last week, we looked at the reason that Jesus did this. We're in John chapter 13, by the way. In Jesus, the reason Jesus actually was a servant was because he knew some things. So what we learned last week is that serving, being great, actually flows out of identity. See, it all begins. You have to know who you are. So Jesus knew three things we looked. He knew that everything was his. He knew that he was the son of God eternally perfectly loved and he knew that this wasn't his home he knew he was going somewhere else therefore he served and what we found is God's telling us listen you can have that same knowledge you too can know that you have everything I want you to have every spiritual blessing you too can know that you're a child of God and that you are eternally and perfectly loved by me and really important you too can know that this is not your home it's not See, when you know those three things, it can launch you into beginning to serve. So if you have your Bibles, um, open up to John chapter 13. Uh, if you don't have the K2 app, you can download the K2 app. We always have all my notes and the scripture right on our app, and you can just pop that in. Or if you still love to hold on to it, that paper Bible, pull that puppy out. All right? Here we go. John chapter 13. Jesus knew these things. So he took off his outer garments, kind of stripped down, wrapped a towel around his waist, and here we go, verse five. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not understand now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that is why he said, not every one of you. So here's where we're going to go today. Anytime the greatness of God moves into the picture, greatness always runs into misunderstanding. The greatness of God, when it runs into humanity, always runs into misunderstanding. Look at this. So he pours water into the basin, right? He's getting everything ready. He's got the towel around. He begins to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And then he came to Simon Peter. So even right there, what you see is, so he starts the whole process. He's got 12 disciples, right? So he's going around and to do this, you'd have to get on your knees, right? And he's going down and he's washing all the disciples' feet. He starts, he's going around. And Peter is over here watching all this. Now, what's interesting is nobody's saying anything yet. It's really quiet. And I imagine it would be, right? It's probably a very uncomfortable situation right now. Because they're all sitting there going, whoa, 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 why are you doing this? You're the Lord. You're the master, right? You're, you, this is not supposed to be happening. 
And I think also they were probably quiet because they felt a lot of shame, right? Think about that. They were probably going, we should be doing this, not him. Have you guys ever been in that situation <laughs> when you know that you should have done something and you didn't do it and somebody else is doing it and you, oh, you just feel horrible? I think that's going on. So it's all quiet. And then it gets to Peter. And what happens? What's Peter do? Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Okay, hold on. It's one thing to wash all these other guys' feet. Are you going to wash my feet? See, his view of Jesus was so high. He's Lord. He's my Lord. He's the master. This is not acceptable. It's too humbling. Have you ever had that experience? When someone that you highly esteem, that you think is great, and then they come down and they bow down and they serve you? Doesn't that feel weird? It just feels wrong. And that helps us to understand how far away we are from understanding the kingdom of God. No, because if somebody's great, I should be serving them. Or sometimes you feel like you're the better person and you think other people should be serving you. That's marriage right there. You should be serving me. See, we are so far away from this. The first will be last, Jesus says. The last will be first. The greatest is a servant of all. I'm telling you right now, you're here this morning. Jesus Christ will fly in your face of understanding. Why is this? I'm going to tell you, man, you miss Jesus every time that you seek to put yourself above another human being, you miss Christ. Every time your motive involves any selfish ambition, which is like all the time, you miss Christ when you do something out of selfish ambition. Every time you envy someone who has what you want, you miss Jesus. Every time you seek to be served instead of being the one who serves, you totally, you miss Jesus. So how do you find him? Every time you sacrifice your own interest for another human being, oh my gosh, you see Jesus. Every time your motive is the betterment of another, you find him. Every time you rejoice in the success of another person, you find Jesus. And every time you seek to serve instead of being served, that's when you run into Jesus. Have you ever met somebody and you're having a conversation, right? And you can tell, you're trying to explain something to them and you can just tell by their expression on their face, they're not getting it at all. Have you ever had that experience? I was on the other side of that recently. And it's so interesting because somebody's trying to explain something to, to me and I'm doing everything I can to get it. But I know they could see in my eyes. You don't, and, the, and, and, when you, and when you see that somebody isn't getting it, what do you say? Just what this person said to me. Do you understand? Do you understand? Are you getting this? And you're like, no, I don't. Usually we go, oh yeah, I get it. And inside you're going, I don't get it at all. Why don't we understand anything? Here's why we don't understand. Because our brains literally have no record to go to. See, if somebody tells you something new, so, Peter, so Jesus is doing this. Every time somebody comes to you with something and you don't understand it, what's happening is your brain is literally going 
and it's trying to grab. It's going to every experience you've ever had, everything you've ever heard, everything you've ever seen, everything you've ever done. And it's trying to go, how do I make sense of what you're telling me? And when your, when your brain gets done searching everything from your experience and goes, I got nothing. <laughs> then you go, I don't understand. And that's what Jesus was saying to Peter. You don't understand what I'm doing, but later you will understand. See, our brains, when we can't recognize this, what happens is you hear this and we don't believe it. And what, because what happens is for Peter, he was a good Jewish man. He's going, no way, this isn't right. This doesn't compute. You're the Lord, you're the master. You don't serve. He didn't get it. He was steeped in religiosity. He totally got religion. Religion is pushing yourself up and becoming and showing how great you are. And now here's Jesus going all the way down and his brain doesn't compute. No, the best, and this is why we struggle, the best thing is not getting on your knees and serving. The best thing for me, what we believe, is to make my life great is if I think about me, if I protect my life, if I get my way. This is the issue, you guys, in every marriage, in every friendship, at work, we struggle to understand. Greatness runs into misunderstanding, but greatness begins with the humility of openness. I actually got the definition of open. I like to do that. What does open mean? Listen to this. The definition of open is allowing access, passage, or a view through an open space. Allowing something in, right? Not closed or blocked up. And so we'll say to people, that person is so open-minded. How many of you guys know somebody who's open-minded, right? See, when someone's open-minded, I have never met a person who's open-minded who isn't humble. Because to be open-minded, you're basically saying, I don't know everything. I don't understand everything. I'm really open to what you have to say. Now, how many of you know somebody who's closed-minded? Okay. Why did more hands go up with closed-minded than open-minded? <laughs> but if you're closed-minded, what does that mean? It means you're blocked up or you're filled up. That's the definition. So when you hear something this morning... And for the last three weeks, you've been hearing Jesus say that greatness is when you empty yourself and take the nature of a servant. But yet we are so blocked up. We get closed off to this. And the reason is, is because we have our own ideas, our own perceptions, and our own convictions. You guys, we live in a world that says you should look out for your own interests first. It's steeped in us. So when Jesus comes with this message, he runs into misunderstanding, and the only hope is that we'll have the humility of openness. So humble, what's the Bible say? Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Oh, the freedom and the exhilaration that, coming, that comes when you acknowledge that you don't know everything. But that is, and then here's the other thing, what great, how great is it to know that there is somebody who knows everything? 
See, to me, that's, that's, that's kind of what happened when I ran into God. I realized my little pea brain, to think that my little pea brain is going to understand the mysteries of the universe and the, what's going to make my life work, I finally opened myself up and said, I'm really open to hearing what you have to say to me, God, because there is one who does know everything. In my own time this, this week, I'm, I'm reading Psalms right now, just in my own connection with God in the morning. Psalm 81, verse 10 through 13 says this. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you up out of Egypt. So he's talking to the Israelites. I am the Lord, your God. And then he says, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. You guys, can, help? can I encourage you this morning? God wants to fill you. Is that, is, that, is that exciting to anybody this morning? The fact that God wants to fill you. So all you have to do is open wide your mouth, right? So for the rest of the service, everybody's going to be like, huh? <laughs> Obviously, what he's talking about is your heart. Will you be open-minded? Will you open your heart to God today? If you will, but here's, listen how the rest of the psalm goes on. But my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. I tell you what, you guys, one of the most, one of the most hard things that God does is he finally just goes, all right. I think one of the worst things that God does <laughs> to us is go, have it your way. Little Burger King phrase there for those of us who are old enough to remember that. Have it your way. See, God wants your heart to be open, but if you're closed off to him, eventually he goes, okay, then go ahead to your own devices. You have a great marriage, but think about yourself first. Good luck on that one. Have, have your way. You, be free from all the stress and all the anxiety of life, but, but believe that you have to pull up by the bootstraps and prove your worth but be totally at peace while you're doing that. Good luck on that one. I tell you, man, he goes, if my people would only listen to me, if Israel would only follow my ways. And I tell you what, you guys, the way of descending is great. It is what brings life. So we must challenge our own misunderstanding with openness, all right? So greatness runs into misunderstanding. Greatness begins with a humility of openness. But here's the second thing. Greatness also runs in to rejection. The greatness of God, when it runs into human beings, it always seems to get rejected. Look at the verse, John 13, 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not understand now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Now I want to tell you, <clears throat> there's something about Peter you got to love. Anybody else love Peter? I mean, I mean, this guy's great because he's just so bold and brash. All the other disciples are like, oh, Peter's like, no, you're never going to do this. There's something about his boldness and his brashness. I think it's actually charming. It's kind of appealing. I think Jesus probably was laughing in this moment. Like, I love this guy. But do you realize what he's doing? In his first statement, what's he say? He goes, he calls him Lord. Now, if someone's your Lord, what does that mean? 
If someone's your Lord, that meant you do whatever he says. You're the Lord, I'm the servant. Whatever you say, I do. So Jesus shows up and goes, hey, I'm gonna wash your feet. And what's Peter say? No, Lord. <laughs> what, it's, what, you guys get that dichotomy? <laughs> Lord, no. But you guys, can we all just be honest? How many of us in this room call Jesus Christ your Lord? Go ahead and raise your hand real quick if he's your Lord. How many of you tell him no all the time? It's unbelievable. Greatness runs in to rejection. Again, his paradigm was so set about hierarchy. He was a good Jewish boy, right? Hierarchy and greatness. And he sees Jesus as great. So this is absolutely wrong. No, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's crazy. So God comes to us, right? He says things like, hey, forgive each other. Trust me on this one. Forgive each other when they wrong you, just as I've forgiven you. And we say, no. Love your enemy. Love your enemy. Okay, Jesus, that's just nuts. No. Seek my kingdom first, more than the American dream. Uh-uh. Here's a good one. Do not try to earn my love. Stop trying to be good enough to get me to love you. No, 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 Jesus. That's not how it works. I know that because everybody else in my life, when I do good things, then they love me. I got to try. Stop it. Hey, everything you have is mine. I actually gave everything you got. I gave it to you. And all I'm asking you to do is return to me just one-tenth of that so I can change the world with it. Uh-uh, no way. Nope. Not going to give you that. Lose your life. Trust me on this one then. Lose your life and you'll find it. No. Take up your cross. No. Do you guys ever wonder why children born to human parents always say their first word is? No. no. Isn't that interesting? I'm 50 years old and I'm still telling God no. It's insane. So here's my question for you. Some of you have heard, you've been in here for three weeks now. You know now, at least from the God's word, what greatness is. Jesus has exemplified it for you. He made it very clear through Susie's message that this is what greatness is. So here's my question. After three weeks of hearing this, how many of you would say that you have taken significant steps into greatness in the last, don't even raise your hand, but I want you to think about this. How many of you have confessed and totally repented and instead of seeking your own betterment, you've actually been serving your spouse better your kids better, your coworkers, and K2, your church. My guess is most of you have said, yeah, nice message, pastor, and said no. Why is that? Why is it that we can hear the word of God, be in his presence, see what Jesus wants us to do, have him tell us it is what will bring you life, and we still don't buy it. Greatness runs into rejection. It just does. But here we go. Greatness begins with the humility of receiving. And I want you to hear this really clear as we go through this. You will never become great by trying to make yourself great. It is not about you making yourself better. It's about you admitting that you're not and then receiving 
from God. Greatness. And I want to tell you, I think this is why I love Jesus. This is why I'm totally bought into Christianity. Because almost every faith, every faith will say that you have to work to become something that God will accept. And Jesus is the one who said, would you stop it? Would you finally just quit trying to be righteous on your own? That's called self-righteousness. Stop that. You know, our first value here at K2 is you must receive. Nothing can begin with God unless you receive. And I want to tell you, that's actually, is that not good news? See, it really is it actually really good news that you didn't come in here this morning and God's going to go, okay, you got to do this and then do this and do this. And if you get your act together, then finally you might have hope. Instead, he's going, no, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And I'm just asking you to humble yourself and receive. So here we go. Look at, no, says Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you. Now notice that, look at this. See, he didn't say, Peter, unless you get out of here really quick and go take a bath because you stink, you can have no part of me. He goes, no, unless I wash you, you can have no part with me. Well, then Lord, Simon Peter replied, then not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Again, don't you love this guy? <laughs> See, this is so cool. Well, if that's how it's done, then not just my feet. Come on, douse me. And this is where Jesus had to go. I love this guy. Can I ask you, those of you in this room who are already on the path with Christ, are you like that with God when he tells you something? Do you go, well, then all of me. Or do we, you know, all of me. But do you guys see what Peter's still doing? What he's really saying is, again, he's saying, Lord, not just my feet. See, Jesus, you still don't get how this works. He's still trying to tell Jesus how to do his job. <laughs> my feet thing ain't going to work. If it's all about that, then do all of me. You guys, we so love to try to tell God how to do his job. <laughs> and we need to just stop and listen. Be, stop being full of your own ideas. Stop being full of this world's ideas. Be open to him. So, Lord, not my feet, but everything. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. So let's talk about this. Jesus says, you can have, now listen, so this is him to you, not my idea. But he says, you can have no part of me unless I wash you. And I want to tell you, that statement right there, this is where the rubber hits the road. What he's saying, apparently, is if he doesn't wash us in this way, we have no part in him. So, if I will not humble myself unto the Lord, then I will never share in his humility. Because that's what it means when he says the other versions say, you will have no share in me. Apparently, I can't share in Christ's humility until I humble myself to him. If I never allow the Lord to serve me, I will never be a servant like him. Now, I want to tell you, the first time I heard this, my brain went poof. Because that means this morning, you and I have to allow Jesus to serve us. That's how this whole thing starts. He is the Holy One. 
He is the one who never does anything on his own, but he empties himself, humbles himself, and lives to serve. You guys, Jesus, this is why I love him. He's the only holy one. And he's saying, if you don't let me wash you, then you can't share in me. But if we allow Jesus to cleanse us from our sin, to take it away, if we allow Jesus to replace that selfish, ambitious heart with a new heart that is clean and full of the Spirit, then we can share in Him. So the beginning of greatness, and I want to tell you, man, I, I, there is not a couple that doesn't come into my office where they feel like the marriage is done, where I know if they simply would have believed that greatness, being a great husband or wife, was lifting up the other person more than themselves. And if both parties would do that, there's hope. That's why, man, every couple that does walks into my office and I can hear the worst stories ever. And I just sit inside there and I go, this is gonna be awesome. And I'm not lying with full integrity, I believe it. This can be a great story. Because what Jesus does is redeem things and restore things, but it begins by receiving. It is, you guys, this is salvation. Jesus wants to save you from your sin. So there's two things that need to happen here, okay? What do we receive? How does Jesus want to cleanse you today? Okay, first, you have to receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, if I don't wash you, then you can't have my spirit. Now look at this verse, T Titus chapter three. This is a great passage, verses three through seven. It says, at one time, we too were foolish. We didn't get it, we didn't understand. We were disobedient. We said no to God. We were deceived, which meant I didn't buy it. My brain tried to understand, couldn't do it. I was totally duped into thinking that thinking about myself was gonna make my life great. And we were enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Then look at this. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Well, why? Because we didn't get it. And some of you right now in this room, you've got, you're, you're struggling, man. There's hatred going on. There's bitterness going on. Your relationships are like this because we don't understand what greatness is. But, look at there, one of the best words in the Bible, by the way, is but. But, when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Look at this, not because of righteous things that we had done. Stop it, can I tell you again, quit trying to make yourself righteous. Do you see it? It's not you doing righteous things. He needs to wash you. He needs to save you. You need to humble yourself instead of trying to make yourself something. Humble yourself. But it was because of his mercy. He saved us through the, you guys see the word? Here it is. He saved us through the what? The washing. You must let me wash you, he says. He saves us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he pours on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
So that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Heirs. This is what we talked about last week. You guys, he wants to make you filthy rich. But he doesn't want you to do it by working hard and getting a, you know, a better spiritual job so that you get some. No, he goes, I want to, to make you an heir. And if you'll humble yourself before me, I will wash you clean with my Holy Spirit. You will now start to share in me. And I'm the great one. You're not. But if my spirit, Holy Spirit, joins your spirit, now you have a power to live free from yourself because Jesus Christ never does anything on his own. It's beautiful. This, the verse goes on, is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things. Can you kind of tell I'm trying to stress this? I'm just doing what Paul said. He goes, I'm stressing these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are, and I want you guys to say these words with me. These things are excellent, Bill and Ted, right? I am really showing my age this morning. So here we go. These things are excellent and everybody say this word. Yes, we're Americans, aren't we? Can't you wait tomorrow to wake up on Monday and what are you going to do? Try to make a profit. Come on, guys. What he's saying is this right here, having a share in Jesus Christ, it is profitable and excellent for who? Everyone. I'm telling you, he cares about your marriage. Don't buy the lie. He cares about your friendships. He cares about your workplace. He cares about this church. It's for everyone and it's profitable and it's excellent. But you guys, you must let him give you the bath. You must allow him to cleanse you. All right? So here's my question for you. Have, for some of you in this room, have you ever received Jesus Christ? Have you ever allowed him to wash you. Do you hear what he's saying this morning? If you don't let me cleanse you, you have no share in me. You don't have any part with me. Now listen, this is so interesting. I'm not saying, and Jesus isn't saying you're a good person, that you're not a good person. He's not saying that you're not nice. What he's saying is, if you've never let me wash you, you don't have any share with me. I must wipe away your sin. That's why I came. Was to, on the cross, I came to take my, your sin from you, put it in me, and absorb the punishment for your sin. I came to take it away from you. And if you let me wash you, I will come in. I will push out that heart that is so selfish, that's destroying not only your relationships, but for many of you, even your own health. And instead, I will put my spirit inside of you. Have you ever received Jesus? You will never be the same again. Now, he said this. If you've already had a bath, you only need your feet washed. So for all of you now in this room who are Christians, the bath is your baptism. It happens one time. You put your faith in Christ, he washes you clean one time. You're his child. His spirit's inside of you. And it's the same forever. 
But for many of you right now who've received that, you're his child, he says, okay, you've already had the bath, that's good, but now I gotta wash your feet. And so here's what's true. I know this about me and you, that I still am very human. And though Jesus is inside me, I still can live for myself a lot. So we need to receive constant cleansing, okay? So all of you who are in Christians in here, my guess is you probably need your feet washed this morning. Look at, watch this. 1 John chapter 1. If we say that we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So now let me translate that with what we're talking about here today. If you're here this morning and you claim that you're a Christian, but you don't serve, guys, if you say you're a Christian, but you don't serve your wife and your kids, women, if you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but you don't really, you aren't serving your husband, if all of us Christians who go to work tomorrow and all we're thinking about is ourself, if we have selfish ambition tomorrow when we go to work, you're not following Christ. You can claim all that you want. You can say, I have fellowship with God. He says, but if you do that and walk in darkness and darkness at its core is selfish ambition. If you're living for yourself, but claiming that you have fellowship with God, he says, you're lying. You're lying. And this is so huge. Then you need, and I, I know I'm saying this strongly, but it's so important that you get this. Don't think you're fellowshipping with God when you're not. So he goes on, he says what? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, and in this point, light means the ways of God, and the way of God is to humble yourself and empty yourself and live to serve others. He goes, if you're walking in the light as he is in the light, then what's it say? We have fellowship with one another. Do you guys see how this works? See, because do you remember three weeks ago, the scripture said, in, in your relationships with one another, have the same mind as Christ. So in your relationships, if you're living like Jesus, you guys, your marriage is going to be, you're going to have fellowship. This church would get so ridiculously united in love if we all served one another. So he goes on and he says, and the blood of Jesus, his son, here's the word, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Isn't that great too? So by the way, if you're sitting here going, oh, I'm perfect and I serve all the time, you're a liar too, okay? <laughs> you're lying too. Because you all have sin and so do I. But he goes on to say, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And here, look at the word. And to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You guys, there's no greater evidence that someone is a follower of Jesus Christ, then a Christian, a Christian is someone who gladly, joyfully, willingly, sacrificially serves. That's how you know you're having fellowship with Jesus. How can I say that? Because that's Jesus. So if your spirit is knit with him, if you say, I follow Jesus, then you serve. And so if you're not serving, it's called sin. And so then you got to confess that. If you're a Christian, here's the other thing I know. If, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is inside you, and he is saying to you this morning, you're hearing his voice, I know you are. And he's resonating with you, and I don't care if it's in your home or at work or here at K2 or in the community, I don't know. You know he's saying. There's a longing that's rising up within you. 
So some of you who claim to be his children, I'm just telling you this morning, you need to get your feet washed. You need to get right with God. You've had a bath, but you've picked up some junk along the way. Today's your day to get it cleansed. You need to confess and repent of your selfish ambition. Don't claim to follow him anymore unless you're really following him. All right? So band, come on up. So there's two, there's two groups in here this morning. And some of you, using Jesus' terminology, some of you need the bath this morning. Some of you have never, you know this, you've never actually received Christ into your life. You've never let him cleanse you of your sin, to forgive you of your sin, and you still are living for yourself. And I want to tell you, salvation, Jesus came to save you from that so you could live the full life that he has for you, all right? So I just put this up here because I think this will help us. For those of you today who need your, uh, to, the bath is salvation. Some of you at this point still are not saved because the Holy Spirit has not renewed you yet. And I want to tell you, it was crazy first service. I prayed with people for 45 minutes after the service, person after person after person coming up to say, you know what? I need Jesus Christ in my life. That may be you. That's your salvation. Now, for all you Christians, it's not about salvation. It's about sanctification. Very fancy biblical word. All that means is it's about you being more and more like Jesus. You need your foot washed. Let's go through it real quick. Bath is salvation. That's your baptism. But foot washing is communion. And that's why we have it set up. We have it right here. We've got it right here. It's in the back. It's in the two balconies up in the top. See, you're baptized one time. You don't ever become a child twice. Once you're his child, you're his child. You get baptized one time. But communion happens over and over and over again because Jesus knew my kids are gonna need to remember <laughs> that they're washed, that they're clean, that they're forgiven. They're gonna need over and over and over again to confess their sin to me. They need to come on a regular basis. And so he created communion for us. He said, do this and remember me, okay? Your bath is having a share in Christ. Some of you, today's your day to have a share in Christ for the first time. But for the Christian, your foot washing is staying in fellowship with Christ. Come on, man, some of you right now, you are so powerless. You're so angry, you're so bitter, you feel so weak, you got nothing in your soul and you're a Christian. That's not what he saved you for. Get your foot washed today. Let him wash you again clean today so you can be free, okay? And lastly, your bath happens once and foot washing happens all the time. So here's all I know. Today, we're gonna come up here and we're gonna give you a chance. And while communion's going on, if you have never received Christ, and today's the day, if, 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 the Holy, if, you're, sensing, if you're sitting in the cockpit right now of your soul <laughs> and you feel like something opened up inside your heart and you're going, oh crap and you're getting scared to death because you feel God moving in your soul. I want to challenge you with everything within me. Take the step out, man. You do have to take the step of faith. Step out onto that plane. Feel the exhilaration. It's going to freak you out. I know it's scary. But you will fall into his arms. You'll have a beautiful surrender. And then, bam. And you will have peace and life like you never dreamed. And so we will be over here praying right back in that corner. 
while the rest of you who need your foot washed will come up here. Can I, you guys, and just can I, one last word picture, sorry. But have you ever not showered for a really long time? Like I, I remember I, I, took, I took some kids on a wilderness trip for a week. When we finally got back into civilization, the first thing we did is what? Fight for the shower. Do you guys see the movie Revenant? How many of you saw Revenant? Now that dude was out there for a long time. And as soon as he got to civilization, what's the first thing he did? Took a bath. Come on, man. If you've been heavy, burdened, anxious, fearful, angry, empty, Jesus is just saying, let me wash you, man. Let me wash you clean. All right? Let's stand up. Let's worship him whenever you're ready. By the way, Christian, I don't think any Christian can just run up here right now. Because I think every one of you needs to have a little time of confession to God. Because we all need our feet washed. Is there anything you're doing he doesn't want you to do? Is there anything you won't do that he wants you to do? Do some business with him first. And then when you're ready, you come and receive the forgiveness. Confess your sin and receive the forgiveness and be cleansed so you can walk out of here free. And everybody else who wants to receive him for the first time, we'll be right back here. All right?